We are continuing our sermon series looking at fulfilled prophecy um, in this Advent series. I would like to invite you to stand as I read this week's passage. We are in Isaiah 7, uh, verse 14, and then we'll jump forward to Matthew 1, 18 to 23. Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Scott. Good morning, Christ community. It's my pleasure to be with you here this Christmas weekend, Sunday morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Johnson, and I have the pleasure also to uh, serve on the staff team at, at, that cares for this church body and have been doing that for a few, few years now. Over the last couple of years, my wife Chastity and I have grown increasingly excited about the community of Rantoul, just north of us here, uh, and we've recently moved there. If you've ever been through the, the home buying process or, or even just moving, you know the, the challenges and, and difficulties that that can bring. Uh, when we put our house up for sale here in Champaign, it sold rather quickly for us. So it was kind of an impending uh, that we need to find a new place quickly. As we started looking, we, we were moving to a smaller town, obviously, a lot less options in Rantoul. My wife and I talked and we, we kind of set together a budget and, and talked about the things that we needed for the new house. In reality, you just need four walls, right? I think I took that to heart a little more. And in every single house that came on the market, I got really excited about, saw a lot of possibility in. Uh, whereas my wife, on the other hand, was, was patient and wanted to wait for not just a house, but the right house to come for us. Uh, a lot of things in this process were, in a lot of ways, outside of our control. And of course, when, when things seem to be outside of my control, naturally, I double down on human effort, right? All of a sudden, uh, I, I have actually almost no skills when it comes to remodeling, but all of a sudden, I was fixer-upper chip gains, right? Every house was like, oh, we just need to knock down this wall here, and it'll work really well for us, or we can, we can build, right? We can do an addition up, and it'd be perfect for us. I just wanted to find a quick fix, right? A quick solution to our circumstances, our difficult, impending circumstances. And, and in Christmas is a time when difficult situations seem to be everywhere for all of us, 
right? Our schedules are a lot fuller than normal. Spending time with family can be challenging. This season just breeds a certain amount of stress and anxiety for us. Or we experience sadness over the brokenness that we see around us, even the brokenness that we see within ourselves. And we don't have the tools or the ability to fix a lot of these situations that we find ourselves in, no matter how hard we try. But usually that doesn't prevent us from looking for easy way outs, from looking for the quick solutions. Well, God sees our impending situations, but he is not looking for the quick solution. God does not play the short game. He plays the long game. And, and God does have a plan for us and, and for our current situations that we find ourselves in. But it plays into his much larger plan of salvation. In our Isaiah passage today, we're going to zoom out just a little bit as God's people find themselves in a situation that is beyond their control. There's a, a growing empire, Assyria, who is looking to, to move westward and take on more territory. God's people at the time had been broken into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel decides that their best game plan is to partner with the country next to them, Syria. And their plan is to force Judah into this alliance against the Assyrian Empire. And this is the context that we see the prophet Isaiah speaking into in our passage today. And what I want us to see is that God is consistent. Right? God is constantly working out his plan of salvation in consistent ways. Let me say that again. God is constantly working out his plan of salvation in consistent ways. Let me pray for us before we jump in. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that, that you are a God who is intimately at work in our lives and, and, and in the world around us, uh, marching towards, yeah, keeping true and marching towards your great plans of salvation. God, I pray, as Scott said, as we dive into this uh, great foundation of the Christian faith, the, the incarnation, that we would hold on to this mystery. Will we not try to completely understand and completely box in who you are because this great mystery is unfathomable? Would it stir our hearts to worship you in spirit and truth this morning? In Jesus' name. Well, again, in our Isaiah passage this morning, God's people find themselves in a situation that is beyond their control. Uh, Isaiah 7.14, though, we automatically think of the Christmas story, right? Of, of the Christmas narrative. Unto us a child is born, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. But just as God is at work in our day right now, moving towards the future, he was also at work in Isaiah's day. He was being true to his plan and promises. You see, a lot of these prophecies, they, they were relevant for their current context and they had significance for the future. And that's what we find in Isaiah 7.14. There's a double fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. As the uh, Syria 
and Israel alliance seek to force Judah into that alliance. God is speaking through the prophet to the king of Judah and reminding him that he has nothing to worry about. God will remain faithful to his people and, and he promises them a sign of his faithfulness. A child will be born as a sign of God's faithfulness to his people. So let's zoom out just a bit from our text and look at Isaiah 7:14 through 16. It'll be on the boards for you here. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. See, God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, is speaking into their current context as well. Commentators point out that this word virgin can, can also be generally understood as a, a young woman who isn't married yet, a maiden. So a young girl currently not wed will bear a son. And before he can eat solid food, before he knows what's right and what's wrong, the two kings that Judah is concerned about will be laid waste. And just a few verses later, a son is born who seems to fulfill God's promise. Isaiah 8, 3 and 4. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, call his name Maher Sha'al Hashbaz. For before the, baby, before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. God promises a sign of his faithfulness to his people, and God follows through. Right? This child is born as a sign of God's promise. Mahar, Sha'al, Hashbaz filled the symbolic roles of Emmanuel. God was with his people. And after his birth, God again reminds him, you guys have nothing to worry about. Damascus, which is in Syria, and Samaria, which is in northern Israel, will be plundered. And we learn from 2 Kings that Assyria did capture Syria and northern Israel. God was faithful to his promise. He used the Assyrians to address these kind of pressing needs for his people. And the king of Syria and Israel were no longer a threat. God was working out his plan of salvation and keeping a remnant of his people safe in Isaiah's day. The king of Judah had the opportunity to, to trust in God during this season. In the midst of these pressing forces. But we also learn in 2 Kings that instead of putting his faith and trust in God, he put his faith and trust in human powers. He decided to take gold from the temple and give it to the Assyrian king in the hopes that they would turn on Israel and Syria, which is what did happen. But instead of trusting on God, instead of waiting for God, the king of Judah took matters into his own hands. And God still used the Assyrians to rescue Judah as was his plan. But the Assyrians soon turned on them and started to move in on Judah. God also used them as a punishment for their unfaithfulness. 
Returning to our house buying process, as I said, uh, our house sold really quickly here in Champaign. We uh, put an offer in on a house in Rantoul that was accepted as well. And, and as we started going through that process, we learned about foundation issues on the new house that we hoped were fixed. <clears throat> we learned about high possibility of asbestos. We learned about high levels of radon and, and these things just started adding up that we needed a fix to, to make the house work for us. And it was going to stretch our budget and, and my wife was, was concerned about it. But I pressed on. I'm like, nope, this is where we're heading. This is where we're going. It's going to work out. Well, on the day that we were supposed to close on both of those houses, uh, the, people, the, the loan for the people buying our house fell through. Which means we no longer had uh, the down payment to buy our house in Rantoul. This was a really difficult, uh, challenging season where we had to relist our house, kind of start this process all over again, and we did take it as an opportunity to start looking for homes in Rantoul, start over with that as well. Again, as I sought to trust in my own abilities, God was actually faithfully at work, and he did provide us with a home that we're now in. Not the perfect home, but the right home for us. We've been on our new place for a couple months now and, and still have had some surprises and challenges, but we feel like God has given us a house, uh, far more of a house than we thought was going to be possible. An amazing place to, to live and do ministry in Rantoul. Like the king of Judah, I seek to trust in my own abilities and situations that are outside of my control. But even in the midst of that, God is faithful in our current circumstances, constantly working in our lives in a way that is consistent with his character. Now, this by no means, this doesn't mean that, that he'll give us whatever we want whenever we want it, right? But it does mean that God will be faithful to love and care for us in a way that is for our ultimate good and for his glory. That is the current situation that God is working in and as he also works towards the future. So God saved his people here in, uh, in Judah from their immediate circumstances, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14, but he also had a greater salvation in mind. Right, The fulfillment in Matthew, we see God's consistency as he remains true to his plans. Let's look at our passage in Matthew again. Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Matthew, pointing back to the Old Testament, talking to his primarily Jewish audience who would know this context that I just shared with you, 
Matthew is in a sense saying, do you remember what God was doing? Do you remember his promise to send a child and, and how he promised to rescue them? And he did save Israel out of that situation they were in, of the impending danger. Well, he's doing it again. And he's doing it in a far better, far greater way. Here we see God not only sending a son to be a promise of his faithfulness to save, but he is sending his very own son to bring everlasting salvation. Jesus is the greater fulfillment of Isaiah 7:14. Jesus was truly born of a virgin, right? Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus came not to rescue his people from an invading power, but to rescue the world from the powers of sin. Jesus is a superior fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Jesus is the far better Emmanuel, God with us. The meaning of Christmas has become a little fuzzy these days. Right? It becomes this generality about peace and kindness, about generosity and, and people coming together. But the simple meaning of Christmas is the shocking declaration that God came. The creator of the universe became a creature. In the Old Testament, God's presence appeared in these powerful and majestic ways, right? He, he appeared to Job in, in this cloud, this hurricane. He appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He appeared to Israel in a pillar of fire in the wilderness. His presence filled the temple and people couldn't even draw near. God's presence in the Old Testament was this powerful and terrifying thing. Right, God, people's response to God's presence was fear, trembling, falling to their face. Up until Jesus, God had only revealed himself in these powerful, terrifying ways. But in Jesus Christ, God has come to dwell with us, to live with us like never before. And the response is praise and worship. Not that it wasn't still then, but there's a comfort. As Scott said in John 1, we hear these words time and time again. It just reminds us of God's nearness, his closeness to us and the person of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The power and the glory and the majesty of God drew near to us, came to be with us in a vulnerable little baby. In the incarnation, God did not strip away any of his divinity, but he added to his fullness human nature. He became like us. Jesus needed sleep, he was hungry thirsty. He experienced human emotions. Jesus' life was marked by compassion for the marginalized, empathizing with the suffering of others. His, his sorrow and pain over the world's suffering and his impending suffering brought him to tears. He even experienced death. When his disciples embraced their teacher, touched his hand, they felt the warm soft skin of God. 
John Calvin memorably summed it up that Christ has put on our feelings with our flesh. Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's words like no one had ever expected. Jesus truly is God and he came to be with us. So what does that mean for us this Christmas season? What are, what are some applications, implications of the incarnation? Well, first, we can have a relationship with God. Jesus came to mend that fractured relationship that we had with our creator when sin had broken that relationship. Christmas is not about who's naughty or who's nice. Right? We, we would all be embarrassed if anyone saw what went, behind, went on behind closed doors when, when the weight and the pressures of the world are coming down on us or, or really any day that ends in why. We would be embarrassed if people saw all the things that we would do as, as we willingly and freely choose to do what we know to be wrong. We choose self-reliance over relying and trusting on God. Our hearts know that we need a savior. That's why our hearts resonate with, with songs during Christmas like, Oh, holy night, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Right, right? We are weary. We're tired. We're tired of pretending like we've got it all together, weary from putting on the, the good, happy Christian face all the time. But praise God that our relationship with him is not dependent on us. It does not rest on our own shoulders, but on the one who bore the weight of this weary world. Right? It rests on the shoulders of the one who bore the weight of the cross for us. Jesus was born. God came to save. And by his grace, we have a sweet relationship with God. The sweet relationship that our hearts all long for and desire. Two, God knows your pain. Christmas, again, can stir up all these, these feelings and emotions. Uh, when we're struggling, when, when we're hurting, it's easy to, to think that no one understands. No one understands what I'm experiencing. No one understands what you're going through. And as I look out, I know, I see you guys that are experiencing uh, pain, loneliness, abandonment in this season. There's those of us who are dealing with illness, depression, anxiety. A lot of us have fresh wounds still of the people that we have lost as we come to this Christmas season who are no longer with us. And though no one around you may understand, Jesus understands. He knows what you're going through and he knows that you are, and you are not alone. Emmanuel, God is with you. He knows our needs. He understands our weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every way, every way, has been tried just as we are, tempted as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then, with confidence, approach the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and our and help in our time of need. Hebrews reminds us of that the great hope of this Christmas season is that God is accessible. He came. He came like us so that we could get to him. Finally, as we've looked at, at God's consistency, his consistency in working out his plan in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in our lives, the great news is that he is not done. Throughout our Advent season, we've seen God's people waiting, right? Waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the light, great light to enter into the world, pierce through the darkness, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, awaiting the, the leader, the great shepherd of God's people who would lead them from ancient times, awaiting the king of the line of David who would establish God's kingdom forever. Well, Jesus has come, and he has fulfilled each and every one of these prophecies. Yet their ultimate fulfillment is yet to be seen. We will continue to be a part of God's plan unraveling, not unraveling, unveiling in our time. And we will continue until Emmanuel, God with us, is once again with us face to face. Right now we walk by faith, but then we will see by sight. And when he comes, he will wipe away every tear. Pain, death, sin, defeated once and for all. Christmas reminds us that God came in power and majesty as a fragile little baby. And it also reminds us that he will come again in power and majesty as the Lord of lords and King of kings. We can have hope for our present situations and whatever God has for us in the future because he is constantly consistent. God is constantly consistent in who he is and what he does. Let me pray for us. Father, we need you. We need you to draw near to, to our numb hearts that, that don't even feel the, the greatness and the power of you coming to live with us in a little baby. We need you to yeah, dust off these hearts of stone and, and give us your heart of flesh beating and pumping just as yours did when you came to be with us that Christmas morning. And Jesus, we need you. We need you in these difficulties and challenges that we face in life that are beyond our control. Help us to trust in you, to trust in your consistency that you have shown up for us and you will continue to be there as we look ahead to the glorious future of seeing you again in the flesh.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.